0: Hello everybody. Welcome back to the Stack Overflow podcast, a place to talk all things software and technology. I'm your host, Ben Popper, Director of Content here at Stack Overflow. Joined as I often am by my wonderful colleagues and collaborators, Cassidy Williams and Ryan Donovan.
1: Hello. Hey.
0: Hello. We have a very special sponsored episode today from Logitech, part of our the series we're running this month. It's going to focus on three topics that have come up on this show several times organically. Flow state, Uh, developer productivity, and Cassidy, mechanical keyboards. Um, (laughs) So we're very excited for today's episode. And I guess the intersection of those three things, yeah. So without further ado, I'd like to welcome Thomas and Marcel from Logitech to the podcast. Hello to you both.
2: Hi, guys. Hi there.
0: So, Marcel, let's start with you. Can you just tell the audience quickly sort of who you are and what it is that brought you uh, to the role you're at now?
2: Yeah, um, my name is Marcel Twigg. I'm an I'm a industrial designer. Originally, uh, currently, I'm, I'm the head of design for the MX Group at Logitech. I've kind of been around the block as an industrial designer. I have my own consultancy for a good number of years, uh, through which I, I ended up consulting with Logitech, and eventually they kind of got me on a on the end of a line and reeled me in. And uh, I'm internal now, <laughs> and um, it's it's kind of a really exciting place to be doing the MX products because I guess through Logitech's uh, Flagship mice and keyboards. Um, we get to introduce a lot of the new technologies.
0: Yeah, that makes a lot of sense, Cassidy. We've talked about this before, but you know, in speaking with developers here at Stack Overflow and with folks on the show, people will often express the idea that if they can get to flow state and spend a good two, three hours in one day, that's way more impactful than you know a, an eight-hour jag where they're not feeling focused. I don't know. Do you have personal experience with this?
1: Yes, one hundred percent. To the point where, like, I will schedule. <laughs> Time to try to get into flow state, just so that way I can do it. Because right. when I when I am in that period, and I don't even say like it's time for me to flow, but you know, but when I when Mantras I want to get good. down <laughs> and focus, like I could, yeah, um, it works so effectively that mm-hmm. it is worth it for me to schedule that time because I can get more done in that. Chunk of time than I can multitasking at some right, point. Right.
2: I guess as as I understand it, it's one of these things that you can't uh, you can't decide. You kind of you kind of drift in. And correct me if I'm wrong, Thomas. I guess you're the expert on it. But uh, in what I've read, um, it's it's one of these things you can schedule time, but whether or not it's effective or, dis- or it's kind of determined by by a few things that are out of your control or, or, or loosely in your control,
1: right? And I, I guess we should introduce Thomas then. Yeah, time. Thomas, tell us who you are and, and
0: why Marcel thinks you're some kind of expert on this. <laughs>
3: yeah, <laughs> thank you for that. So I am Thomas. I'm a associate professor at the University of Zurich, and I actually work on human aspects of software engineering, so or software developers. So we look at software developers and how can we actually foster the productivity at work. So mostly for software developers, but also in a broader sense for knowledge workers or information workers. And in particular, we look at, how can we measure product or how can we perceive on how do we perceive our own productivities as software developers how can we possibly measure some aspects of that in terms of the co- cognitive states in terms of the emotional states and then how can we build support tools to really foster that productivity at work and so maybe now coming back i'm not sure if i should right away chip into it but like talking about the flow i do believe that the flow doesn't necessarily, you can plan for it. It's good to have certain habits and certain rituals to sort of try and get into a focus state. But that, that flow state that we sometimes talk about, that sort of occurs to us. So obviously, it's mm. good yeah. to put the work in there. If you don't sit in front of the computer, um, Marcel made a really nice quote before, and then I forgot the quote again. But just talking <laughs> about it, obviously, you have to sit at the computer so that, the, that you actually get um, into the flow at your work without being there it doesn't happen. If you're just always off the computer, it's not going to happen.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: There's this app that I use called Centered that is like designed to help you get into flow state. And I'm sure that there's plenty of those apps out there, but you put in your tasks for the day and, and you could say like how much time you want to allocate for those tasks. And when you hit start, it plays that like binaural music. And, and there's like a little voice saying, okay, let's flow. And then whenever you are about to Lose focus. Like if I were to go on Reddit or something, it'll say like, "Hey, make sure you stay on your task." And <laughs> and so like that little verbal thing that keeps you focused. And even though at first I admit I kind of resist it, it works for me. And and that that might be one of those things where I say like, not everybody can schedule flow right. state, kind of like what you said. But uh, yeah. if you if you have something that helps you get there. It, it, that that is in particular a tool that helps me for
4: sure. I mean, I feel like I'm always chasing flow state as well. But Thomas, you do the research on this sort of thing. I, I'm curious what the the actual data that you've gathered says about getting into flow states.
3: So we mostly look at like we didn't look specifically at the state of flow. So we mostly look at how do developers themselves perceive their own productivity and when do they perceive themselves as productive and mm-hmm. trying to understand that one because then we can actually help them to also be more productive. But what we look at in terms of productivity, sort of trying to understand when are developers most productive? What are the activities that uh, make them feel productive? And what are the times, for example, as well? So we see that different developers have different sort of like curves of productivity. So we did a study where we looked at developers rating their own productivity every hour or every half hour. And we just looked at it and there's some people that are more productive in the morning and then some people that are more productive in the evening and then some people that are sort of like had this really low at lunch phase, and based on that understanding of your own productivity, you can then obviously also go ahead and, as Cassidy mentioned, schedule those two to three hours, but like try and hit one of those spots where you know that you're more productive generally.
2: Mm. The summary that we did before on it, because again we, we studied this as a way of developing products for our users, we had kind of three things. So as, as Thomas was just talking about, there's this idea of task modulation. You know, is it's, it's to get get the right balance between challenge and and effort because. Um, Yeah, if 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 it's not challenging enough, you get bored, and if if it's too challenging, well, then you get disillusioned. But there's two other elements as well. There's uh, there's something that we're calling intrinsic reward, um, whereby you know the people who are conscientious about the work they do tend to get into flow states more. You know, so and this is why we see software developers and creatives talking about flow a lot as as part of their the way they work because. I think we all are, you, you kind of really want to do a good job. There's something about software developers, and, uh, you know, about about kind of getting to the best kind of code you can, you know. It's not about just doing the job. Um, so, that idea of intrinsic reward and being conscientious and knowing that, that fulfillment of one, when the job is done. And then the third one, and I guess the third one is, is the one that Logitech would focus on most, is is about eliminating distractions. You're never going to get into the flow state unless you can eliminate distractions. And what we try to do is. Is to uh, look at the tools that you're using, and again, tools are you know if you, this flow state exists for for kind of sports people and musicians, et cetera, and all of them are reliant on tools, and just like that for software developers, um, the tools that you use your keyboard, your mu- your mouse, your computer, the software, uh, the various apps, you know if if you can design those tools so as they minimise or eliminate distractions, uh, then you're less likely to get broken out of the flow state,
0: right. Yeah, I've heard people talking about flow state recently in the context of sports as well. You know, somebody is sort of in the zone, they're in the flow, and this can come and go. And I've also, you know, you kind of hear the opposite, like somebody has a mental block, they were a great baseball player, but now they can't make the throw from from third to first. They just are sort of like, they call it the yips or whatever, you know, it's like they're, they're sort of in their own head. Um, so to me, it sounds like, right, You you can't, it's sort of an ineffable thing. You can't say I'm going to have it, but you can put in place the structures and you can do the practices and you can have the tools to sort of maximize your chances. So let's take this back, you know, for a second. When you look at developers and the tools that they're working with, most principally a keyboard, were there specific things you found that took them out of flow state or or sort of, you know, made it less likely? And then what were you able to do through design or through research um, to create something that would help them ideally achieve that outcome more often
2: yeah i think again it's it's very small things um we found with especially with software developers that that they tend to have more than one device in their workflow you know so in the past we would have designed for for just using your desktop computer but now we find your desktop computer and a laptop and an ipad etc so so from that research we, we kind of found that people, the switching between them is, is painful. And uh, we developed this, this software called Flow, whereby, uh, called Flow, where you can, you, you know, you can drag and drop across different devices as if they were connected, you know, just using uh, the, the mouse and, and keyboard. You know, they're very little things. Um, and even, even something as simple as, as uh, backlighting. So we have, you know, we have light sensors in our keyboard, so they automatically detect the, the ambient light and they adjust the backlighting. Um, accordingly. So as if you're in a flow state, again, Thomas is your area, but uh, I believe, you know, it's, it's this, it, your prefrontal cortex shuts down. So you stop noticing things around you. Well, it doesn't shut down completely, I guess, but, but it it recedes um, and you stop noticing things like actually uh, it's gotten dark out. Um, so we have things like, like automatic backlighting. So, so your, your keyboard will adjust so you don't have to think about it. And I'm sure we've all experienced that, where you get into a flow state and you're really excited, and then you look around and it's gotten dark or, or whatever, everybody's left the building.
3: Right, right. And maybe I, I can follow up because you also asked about sort of the research that we do. So when we lo- when we talked to software developers, we, we ran surveys, we did observations, and we actually also had them install applications on their computers to track everything that they do. And one of the first things that came out is like developers feel super productive when they make progress on tasks, which is not very surprising. But I also said when there are very few context switches. And now the question is, what is a context switch? So we observed them and we looked there and we actually looked at the numbers. And really, what happens is they switch every four minutes to a different task. They switch every few seconds or every 60 seconds to a different activity, to a different application. And so sometimes these context switches can be very productive. So, for example, as a developer, when I'm starting off a test server and it takes a while to start up, I can just fire that off and then wait and then do something else while it's getting ready and and therefore be more productive by switching back the context but sometimes when i'm super focused let's say i'm debugging a task and like i'm debugging uh, something in my code trying to understand what's going on and a coworker comes in and asks me a question about the weekend how was the soccer game or something that really pulls me out of that context that i was in that really takes me away and that costs a lot of um, a lot of um, time to get back in actually there's research that shows it creates more like Causes more bugs in the end. Causes a lot more time—not just the time to get back in, wow. but to complete that task. And so I've been looking into how can we actually measure that cost of a context switch. Is it possible to measure that? How difficult? How, ex- how expensive it is at any given point in time to switch? And and how is that? And one of the things that we have to admit at that point there's obviously, or like think about it at this point, it's like there's interruptions that we usually call, we usually think of interruptions as external interruptions, but interruptions can be both. They can be internal interruptions. I can interrupt myself. So sort of like was Cassidy ma- mentioning It's like, go over to Reddit and read something, distract myself, or I have the external interruption by somebody else. And both of these are uh, distractions are things that impede my productivity in general. So how mm-hmm. can I help developers in there? And so one of the things is trying to use, so we use some biometric sensing, let's say, heart rate variability, something to try and understand how interruptible is what we call the basically, are <laughs> developers at any given point in time. And then we also used uh, less invasive sensors such as the keyboard or the mouse and, and sort of trying to understand which applications people use because you can imagine for developers working and debugging and stepping through all the things and like trying to execute the program and ste- stepping through the breakpoints, at that point you know that developers really focused on it and he or she might really not be like, it might not be a good point in time to interrupt that person so you can tell from these things and then we developed an algorithm underneath for example that tries to capture that as much as possible just based on keyboard and mouse we developed a lamp that really like changes the color it's like a traffic light and we deployed it with 400 people and so the traffic light or the, the little lamp the usb plug-in led lamp that we put on like next to computer's desks change the color when we sort of detected that they're now more focused based on the keyboard or mouse interaction. When we had that with ABB at the time with 400 people, we noticed that the numbers of interruptions actually went down and people thought that they were more productive for two reasons. One of them is because people are a lot more aware of the costs of interrupting somebody. So thinking about beforehand, mm-hmm. should I interrupt that person or not? And if I see a red light, is it really necessary at this point or not? Um, and that's one of the things. Um, the other thing what we also noticed is what people did is. They put it from the side, right in front of them and thought, okay, it's really cool to see sometimes I want to be in the red state today. I want to be productive. (laughs) Or if they were in the red state, I wanted to stay in the red state and I want to be in there. So it also helped with that one. So it's sort of like this this promotion of like getting something done and feeling good about it at the same time. So it's just Mm -hmm. some of the research that we did from sort of like Mm -hmm. trying to understand what it means to be productive, measuring it a little bit or aspects of that, and then trying to support developers in their work and improving that.
2: I love about the flow state, when you read about it, if you read the, the original kind of books and, uh, and things, it's, it's that it's, it goes beyond productivity, you know? Like, I mean, and I think it, it kind of mirrors maybe some of our approach in, in Logitech as well is that we started out very much with productivity, but the, the more we spoke to users and the more we kind of understood how they work is that, you know, you actually get a, a kind of a high out of getting into the flow state and it actually makes you feel really mm-hmm. good um, and in in actual fact the the original research by let me try and pronounce his name like uh C- sent uh, yeah, <laughs> me <from laughs> Uh i'm not sure <laughs> about the pronunciation but uh he started out he didn't start out about looking into productivity he looked he started out looking into happiness and he, he started to, mm-hmm. his research was around happiness first and it turns out that yeah you get uh, you know when you're Completely focused and immersed in a task that you deem to be uh, a worthy task. Well, then this is this you know puts you. This is the happiest state that you you'll be in.
0: <laughs> right.
2: And I think there's something kind of really nice about that in terms of feeling good about the work you do. Is that if we can, we're not just creating productivity tools to make companies more money and make people work harder. We're we're trying to actually make people enjoy the work they're doing.
1: Yeah. It reminds me of there was an article I saw about the science of fun and and they they looked at video <laughs> games and stuff and they were saying some of the most addicting video games are the ones where it kind of feels like a little bit of work, but you still get enough achievements and satisfaction enough that you get fully immersed in it. And afterwards you're just like, man, that was a great time. And it's it's like a very funky balance where you're working, but you're working in a game and, and it's fun and, and right. addictive. Right.
4: Yeah. The, yeah. the best games are a really good job.
0: Yeah, (laughs) there's a great quote from Mike Tyson. And he was talking about like, his career, why he was successful when he was young, like what happened to him as he got older. And he said something along those lines, it was like the most dangerous fighter is a really happy fighter, somebody who goes in with no distractions, who like wants to be there gets lost in the moment, you know, just like is present, is completely present. So interesting to think about that applied to all these different things. So I guess one of the things that I wanted to touch on here was uh, the idea, again, of like creativity, you know, sports, art, programming. And there was a note in here, Marcel, the world has changed from the Victorian idea of head down to more open minded. So it's interesting because we're talking about like, we want you to be happy at the computer, like you'll be at the computer for three hours and won't realize it's gotten dark. How does that square with the the more open minded and creative notion? Like, put those put those two things together for me.
2: Well, I, I guess like I mean, we focus on like we have this kind of what we call innovation framework is just kind of like some principles around you know when we're innovating on any product, what we're trying to do, and yeah, one of the like the first one is is uh, to keep our users in the flow. The second one is something we just call speed of thought. Is that and again, it comes from research and talking to these users that they want to they want to express their ideas on screen uh, as quickly as possible. They, they almost want to think it and it happens, you know? And so that's another mm. kind of way that we try to design our products. And then the third, the third part of it is just, is just environmental. is, is, is kind of, I think uh, more recently, people are much more interested in, in their, their workspaces, feeling, feeling creative mm. and feeling like uh and Cassidy, uh, you're doing a better yes. job of that. Uh, but, um, the, uh, but I think these three things come together really to, to to kind of enable people to be more creative, not just productive. Um, and, and again, we all know that the less time you spend on the, the kind of dog work of, of churning and processing, the more time you can spend on the creative work and the interesting things and where ultimately you're adding more value. I guess that's the thing is to... You know, again, it's we want to to move everybody from from doing a job to you know to creating the future. Um, but I think I think on that specific thing around um, this idea of of um, being happy in work and fulfilled in work and wellness, I believe Thomas, you 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 had some uh, interesting kind of ways that you've repositioned it when we were speaking last.
3: Yeah, so basically, I mean, we, we always thought about, okay, how do we, like most soft developers or companies ask us, how do we measure productivity? And and mostly it's sort of like this idea of output oriented something, but that, that just doesn't work today anymore. As you mentioned, like we have these, like developers, super creative, like the tasks are cognitively demanding. They have a lot of developers have a lot of autonomy to work on the things. And then it it's a question of how do you measure that? And do you want to measure that? So what we've noticed is that if we think about output, everybody has like there's no one best metric for any developer. Everybody has different ideas of what would be a good metric, what would be good for them to measure. And it's mostly never to for a manager to man- measure developers, mostly for the developer themselves to understand themselves where we can put together metrics. But what we thought about was like going a little bit further and thinking about because, so we call it time well spent. So we have a measure where we ask people every day or every hour to also reflect on time well spent. And what we noticed is that this shift, the slight shift of thinking about your work also creates a shift in their mind. So it basically brings them away of just thinking I have to be there, I have to sort of like always be on my computer, I have to answer my emails super quickly to thinking about um, what when do I spend my time well? So might it be actually a lot more productive mm-hmm. to take a nap, a power nap in the afternoon and once I took that power nap, afterwards I might be way better off and way more productive. So I think a little bit outside the box and think a little bit more holistic about productivity. But it also brought this emotional component into it. So I thought about it's like, what makes fun? Like, what is good? When do I have fun at work? And when do I feel the best at work? And that really helps them to, in the end, also be more productive, but overall to really spend their time better at work.
4: That's that's interesting. That's that's definitely something uh, I've, I've read a bunch about. We published about developer productivity. And it seems like anytime you pick a metric for individual productivity, that <laughs> metric gets gamed. Right, that becomes the thing people yeah. shoot for. Oh, and uh, and I think the thing that I've I've seen people kind of go for is is sort of team metrics, team productivity. Um, have you seen anything around that, or done any research around that? Yeah, so we we just
3: recently completed a second study with a big big bank, here, but also before and with with other companies where we we gave them Apple watches or Samsung watches and had them rate every hour their own productivity, but also think about their team and how productive their team is it is really difficult to measure team so so it's mm-hmm. it's tricky because everybody says oh let's use user stories because of our gyro task or task and measure the burn down and so on but then when you talk to the teams everybody says yeah this is not really a good indicator we use it for our meetings in the morning but but we don't use it for to really keep track of the productivity and so so it becomes a lot more tricky to measure that um, obviously what we noticed in these studies is first thing is Teams are very volatile and fluid, so they change a lot. So even though the team said, hey, we signed up together, this is the team of nine people. Afterwards, we had them get the watch, and they rated it, and they were asked how productive very team. And they're like, which team do you mean?" It's like, well, in <laughs> we a meeting with your whole team, you mentioned that this is your team. I'm assuming that's your team. But so even this one is difficult. And the other thing that we also explore with one of the psychologists um, at our university together is trying to think about how does it make us feel thinking about the team. So quite often when we saw that when we asked them about productivity, they thought, oh, today I wasn't as productive because I had have all of these interruptions by my teammates and I had to help them. And funny, funny enough, but that also obviously increases the team productivity if I help somebody. And it's sometimes this framing in my head. So we tried and see if we can change that framing a little bit and, and ask about how your team has helped you instead of asking how do you help your team to really think about um, can that improve my um, sort of assessment of the team. But in general, like coming back to your team productivity, is really difficult to measure. And again, it, it, there's not one single thing to to measure it. But what companies sometimes now go for, and and I think is promising, is to look at sort of like value stream, to look at what is the value that we put out to the customer, and then sort of track it back to the steps that the developers do. But that's that's not quite as easy for every software development team. For some, it's a lot easier mm-hmm. to track that back. For some, it's really really
4: difficult. Yeah, in the interview, uh, just had somebody said. These individual metrics are sort of like, uh, you know, tracking GDP for the economy. It's going to give you a very specific view and not give you a view of the overall health. Yeah,
0: yeah. I think this is really interesting. We were talking recently uh, with a company that focuses on matching uh, engineers from a very global perspective outside the U.S. with big companies, you know, the PepsiCo's and Disney's of the world who are looking for engineers. And that sort of IT outsourcing is not new, but what they said has changed a lot is, It's no longer um, like sort of fitting cogs in. Like we have this massive, you know, digital transformation project, and we're going to give each of you like, you know, one sort of assignment to crank on. Um, They're looking for people who have a track record of successfully completing projects and then the results of those projects. So as you kind of pointed out, like how do you measure developer productivity? It, It can be difficult, but you could say in hindsight, at least we were able to find solutions here and those solutions were able to deliver impact. So maybe that's something, you know, we can sort of bring to the next company. That might be writing more code. It might be writing less code. You know what I mean? Like it's not. It's hard to sort of quantify in a certain way. But um, interesting to think that companies are also uh, moving to view developer hiring in that way.
3: It is really interesting, but like maybe. The, and then it comes back to to what Ryan said. In the end, whatever you put on that on the dashboard or whatever you put in that CV or whatever, like to to hires, that will be gamed. So if I say, yeah. hey, how many projects? and people will go and. Go on GitHub, do 20,000 different open source projects and say, oh, I completed them all or contributed to all of them. But it doesn't mean that the quality <laughs> is high or that the, like, so then it becomes difficult to measure again. In right. the end, I think it's really about, like, obviously you have to have your own metrics. So, what we also looked at, and maybe one thing that I mentioned or missed before as well is sort of like one of the starting ideas with the productivity as well was trying to think about how can we bring the Fitbit, all of you know that, like the step counter into the workplace, into the development work. Because it's like, if I see that step count and have 10,000 steps there, ooh, I feel super good. And I really mm-hmm. want to always achieve those 10,000 steps. Is there something in the development domain? And what we notice is, like, as I mentioned, it's very, very individual. But what really helps is that developers have these things wherever they set their own self-monitoring, like they monitor themselves, they reflect on that one, and then they set themselves goals. So one of the Biggest contributions we always make with our research when we go into companies, they say in the end, it's like, oh, it's so nice that he forced us to participate in our study because it forced me to reflect for two weeks on the work that I did and really helped me to understand what it is. And these goal settings, like having, as you mentioned, possibly project completed success value to customers or something, tracking them and helping like understand your own work. That is really a thing that also motivates them to then work even more and be more productive. Cool.
0: All right, everyone. Thank you so much for listening. As we always do, I will shout out the winner of a Lifeboat badge, someone who came on Stack Overflow and helped rescue a question, share some knowledge, and uh, yeah, spread that in our community. So thank you to Stindewit, awarded two days ago, how can I predict math.random results? No, that's the point. You can't. They're random. I'm not sure. Maybe he has a good answer for it. Um, I am Ben Popper. I am the director of content here at Stack Overflow. You can always find me on Twitter at Ben Popper. You can always email us with questions or suggestions, podcast at Stack Overflow. And if you like the show, leave us a rating and a review. It really helps.
4: I'm Ryan Donovan. I edit the blog here at Stack Overflow. Um, you can find me on Twitter at rthordonovan. And if you have a great idea for a blog post, please email me at pitches at stackoverflow.com.
1: I'm Cassidy Williams. I do developer experience at Remote and OSS Capital. You can find me at Cassidoo, C-A-S-S-I-D-O-O, on most things.
2: I'm Marcel Tuig, I'm head of design for MX at Logitech. Uh, you can find me on LinkedIn, I guess. And uh, if you want to know more about uh, MX and Logitech, just visit Logitech.com. I'm
3: Thomas Fritz. I'm an associate professor at the University of Zurich, and I lead the human aspects of software engineering lab. And a big part of the work that I talk today about is done by my students, in particular by Andre Meyer, by Anastasia Ruvimova and Alexander Lil, and also in collaboration with Gail Murphy from UBC and Tom Zimmerman from Microsoft Research. And if you're ever interested in any of our research or even want to participate in any of our studies, you can find us at hasel.dev, so it's H-A-S-E-L dot D E V. Thank you so much.
0: Terrific. All right, everybody, hope you find your flow state this week and thanks for listening. Bye. Bye.